0: Testing 123, this is Radio Free Mormon on the air, broadcasting behind enemy lines. Tonight's episode RFM takes a church survey. I think by this time we are all aware that the church does a number of surveys among its membership in order to find out where they sit on different issues. It is, of course, a remarkable thing for a church that claims to be led by no less than 15 prophets, seers, and revelators with direct access to the mind and will of God still feel the need to do surveys of its members in order to figure out what the proper thing for them to do is should be well i recently received such a survey from a listener to the show and thank you by the way to that listener for forwarding that survey to me i'm going to be taking that survey today now this survey purports to not be a church survey i need to put that out there at the beginning and yet I think the results of the survey will end up in the hands of church leaders at some point. The individual who created this survey is named Jeff Strong. I know that because he introduces himself in a brief three-minute or so introduction to the survey at the outset. There's a nice video of him. He talks about his background in the church. He appears to be, for all intents and purposes, a very active member of the church and likely well-placed within the church as far as leadership goes, He will make a point at the end of his introduction of making it clear to the audience that the church is not behind this survey. You'll hear that when we get to the end of his introduction, which I'm going to play for you now.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Jeff Strong. I'm reaching out to encourage you to take this important survey about your experience in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The purpose of the survey is to gain a deeper understanding about why some people are stepping away from or even leaving the church while others choose to stay. The survey is designed for everyone, current and former members of the church, people who are all in, people who are out, and everyone in between. If your friends and family are like mine, you know that there are lots of different and varied opinions on this subject. I see great value in having a more accurate and common understanding of what's really happening and why. I served as a mission president for three years. Prior to that, while also teaching at BYU, I worked as a senior advisor for the church on a global church communication and culture project. It was an awesome experience. It gave me the opportunity to listen to Latter-day Saints and people of many other faith traditions talk about their experiences with God, with faith, with religion, with church, with church culture, and importantly, what brings them to and takes them away from belief. I learned a lot. I'd like to learn more. This survey will take you about 25 minutes to complete. Your responses will be anonymous and confidential. Now, I recognize that 25 minutes is a significant amount of time. My hope is that you'll see this as an important personal contribution you can make to this conversation in our community. I promise you that I'll do my part to use this information to help everybody that's being impacted by this issue. Now, importantly, this survey is not being initiated by the church, nor is it affiliated with the church. It's something that I'm doing myself because I think it's important. I need your help. Thank you.
0: So as you just heard Jeff Strong tell us, this survey is not initiated by the church. It's not affiliated with the church in any way, and he wants to make sure that that point is clear. Now, I did some research on Jeff Strong while that announcement, his introduction was playing. I found out that he has most recently been a mission president in Arkansas from 2018 to 2021. So that's pretty recent indeed. I'd say he's pretty high up there on the food chain in the LDS church. So even taking him at face value that this survey was not initiated by the church, that it is not affiliated with the church in any way, I have a very hard time believing that the results of this survey are not going to end up in the hands of the leaders of the LDS church, because otherwise, what the heck is he doing it for in the first place? Now, I have not gone through this survey yet, but I expect that the subject matter of it is going to be rather detailed insofar as reasons why people, Leave the church. And it may be because of this that the church did not want its name associated with it. In other words, they farmed it out to an independent contractor, i.e., Jeff Strong, to do this survey so that he could then send the results back to them. And the church doesn't have to worry about people saying, well, why is the church so concerned about why people are leaving the church? Isn't the church growing like they keep telling us every general conference? And indeed, it is based upon my burning testimony that leaders of the church will be seeing the results of this survey that I am going to take this survey this very evening on August 19th, 2023. While I'm finding this survey On my computer, I will say that the reason I named this episode RFM Takes a Church Survey is first off because I believe that this is a church survey, regardless of what Jeff Strong says. It is ultimately a church survey, and besides which, if it's not a church survey, that's not going to lend itself to a real quick and snappy title. What would I say? RFM Takes a Survey by Jeff Strong, former mission president that may or may not end up going back to church leaders. Yeah, that doesn't really have a ring to it. So I stuck with RFM takes a church survey. Okay, now I'm on the page that begins the survey and I'll click start and we'll take it through one step at a time and see how it goes. Once again, this is the first time I'm seeing the questions to this survey. You will be hearing my responses as I type them in real time. First question, are you now or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party of the Oh, what? No, no. Are you now or have you ever been a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Well, that's a big yes. Next question. For this research to be helpful, it is important that the information you provide is as accurate as possible. Thank you in advance for your thoughtful and sincere responses. Exclamation point. To make the survey more efficient for you, we will refer to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as the church, not the Mormons, the church. The church. Which answer best describes your current relationship with the church? And then there's a number of options that you can choose. One, two, three, four, five, six options. First one, I am no longer a member. I had my name officially removed from the records of the church. Well, that's not me. I did not consider myself a member. No, I'm sorry. I do not consider myself a member and do not participate, but I'm still on the membership records of the church because I prefer not to have my name removed. I think that's probably gonna be most likely to be closest to my position. I'll check that, oh shit. I mean, oh shoot, it just clicked me to another page. Okay, I'm gonna go back. Okay, good. I am a member, these are the other options now. I am a member, but rarely, if ever, participate. I am an active member, I value the church, but also feel significant conflict at times. I am an active member, the church matters a lot to me. I happily participate in most things. I am an all-in member. I love the church and very committed and have no concerns. Well, you know, it's funny because if you look at that from the bottom up, in other words, from the last thing I read up, that probably describes my trajectory out of the church, starting with being all in. I love the church and very committed and have no concerns. Moving then over time to I'm an active member. The church matters a lot to me. I I happily participate in most things. Then I am an active member. I value the church, but also feel significant conflict at times then I am a member, but rarely if ever participate. Yes, this is definitely my narrative arc in the church to finally getting to, I do not consider myself a member and do not participate, but I'm still on the membership records of the church because I prefer not to have my name removed. I would modify that at least for purposes of this recording and say, I do consider myself a member of the church. I consider myself a member. I do not participate though, but I'm still on the membership records of the church, not because I prefer not to have my name removed, but because if they want my name off the records, they're going to have to come and get me. Okay, now we're ready for the next question. Can you briefly tell us why you decided to step away from or leave the church? Briefly, huh? Okay, this will be a challenge. Let's see, this is an essay question. I came to realize that church leaders are not honest with the members regarding church history church finances were pretty much anything you would care to mention specifically I imagine you are aware that Joseph Fielding Smith discovered the 1832 First Vision account back in the 1930s, and was so disturbed by what he read that he had the account, let's put it this way, he had the three pages on which the account was written cut out of the letter book in which it was contained, and hid the account in his safe for approximately three decades, until word of its existence leaked to the public and he was forced to tape the account Let's put the, tape the pages back into the letter book. This is one example among many, but it continues to this day. In 2017, elders Oakes and Ballard held a young adult face-to-face event in which Elder Ballard speaking for every church leader who has ever lived assured the audience that at no time had any member of the Apostles or First Presidency ever hidden anything from the members of the church sitting next to Elder Ballard was Elder Oaks who even at the time knew perfectly well that the church was hiding from its members the billions of dollars it had in the United States stock market and was keeping that information hidden by filing false and misleading documents with the federal government. And I'll put in parentheses SEC there just in case he doesn't know what I'm talking about. By his silence, Elder Oaks adopted Elder Ballard's claim that leaders have never hidden anything from anybody, even as Elder Oaks knew perfectly well. He and the First Presidency, among others, were involved in a Widespread Scheme involving 13 shell companies Created specifically to hide the wealth the church's wealth From its members Why? Because as Roger Clark with a silent E at the end, I believe told the Wall Street Journal, church leaders feared that if the membership knew how much money they had in their Ensign Peak Advisors account, members would stop paying tithing. I find this kind of deception unbecoming in leaders and it is only more reprehensible when those leaders claim to be apostles and personal representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. I would not follow such leaders in any organization and certainly not in a religious organization there that should be enough for him to chew on okay let's go to the next one the next group of questions are about your personal experience in the church and the impact it has had on you you indicated in a previous question that you are either an active member that sometimes feels a sense of conflict in the church or that you have stepped back from or left the church yes from the list below select the broad answer that best explains why a text box is provided for each answer if you would like to provide more specific detail in your own words so there's three options here i wanted a different lifestyle than the church lifestyle one with fewer constraints and responsibilities nope that's not me i'd still be a totally active member today If the church were what it claimed and if the leaders were who they claimed and acted in an ethical manner, consistent with who it is they claim to be. The second option is I lost my belief in what the church claims to be and or what it teaches. That's getting closer. Let's see what the third one is. My church experience and or membership has not been inspiring and or satisfying. Okay. I lost my belief in what the church claims to be and or what it teaches. I will simply write here that when I joined the church in 1978, I was told again and again that it was my duty to learn everything I could about the church and become a scriptorian like Elder McConkie. The problem is that I took that advice and learned everything I could about the church and about the scriptures. And that knowledge ultimately led me out of the church. Now, 45 years later, church leaders are telling me that, quote, research is not the answer and accusing me of being a lazy learner. I was not a lazy learner. I wanted more than anything for the church to be true. It was with the greatest disappointment over many, many years that I came to the regrettable realization that the church is not what it claims to be. There we go. Next question. Please select the things that contributed to you losing your belief in what the church claims and or what it teaches. Select all that apply. Well, there's a bunch of these, but I get to select all that apply. The way church leaders have dealt or are dealing with controversial issues or mistakes. That's a big yes. The behavior of past or present prophets and apostles or other leaders in the church. Definitely. How the church manages and uses money. Oh yeah. The church withholding the priesthood and temple privileges from blacks in the past. Yep. New information about Joseph Smith and the restoration. I guess we'll call it new information. New information on the Book of Mormon and or other LDS scriptures. Yep. New information on polygamy. Definitely. What I have learned through my life experience too often does not match what the church teaches. Well, that's true too. The church's past or present position on sexual identity. I'd call that a big yes. The church's past or present position on gender equity. Yeah. Something else not listed. Please tell us in your own words here. I'll do that just to make my own point here instead of just clicking all of the above. They should have had one at the bottom that just said all of the above and I could have clicked it once. But the main thing I want to say here to the church is that as I have paid close attention to the current leaders of the church, it has become my opinion that they are so dishonest let me put it this way. They are so deceptive with the members that so deceptive with the members and so unChristlike in their attitudes and behaviors that the church wouldn't be worth going back to even if it were true. Next question you indicated that what you have learned through your life experience often doesn't match what the church teaches. Please briefly say more about this in your own words and or provide an example. My life experience includes being inculcated by the church with the idea that honesty is important and that I should choose the right And let the consequence follow. I have tried and continue to try my best to follow those principles. This is why it was such a shock to my system to find out that church leaders do not believe. These principles apply to them they are okay with being deceptive so long as they think it is part of God's plan and so long as they think their deceptions will work to keep members in the church so when I discovered that they were being deceptive with me, I learned two things. One, that I could not trust what they say. And two, that they had misled me. Okay. That I could not trust what they say. And two, that they believe they are above the rules they claim God has set for everybody else. Let me see, is there a specific example about that that I might want to include? It says, please briefly say more about this in your own words and or provide an example. For example, Brigham Young taught that blacks would not receive the priesthood until after every worthy white male had the opportunity to do so. This statement by Brigham Young is used by the church to show that he was correct in predicting blacks would one day receive the priesthood. The problem, of course, is that it was way too early because not all white males had the opportunity yet in 1978. So what does the church do with this statement? Simple. They just cut out the part where Brigham Young says It will be only after all white males have the chance. And Viola, Brigham Young, is a prophet of God. But only at the expense of the credibility of current church leadership. Yeah, that's a good point. I like that example. Let's go to the next one. How old were you when you first began to experience some conflict and or started to have some questions, doubts, or concerns about the church? Well, you know, I've thought about this before, and I really think that I've always had questions. This is probably why I went so hard into Mormon apologetics at such an early age, because I've always had questions. I've always had concerns. I've always had doubts. Now, I've certainly always had a testimony, or at least I did have a testimony, but I'm going to say that out of all of these where it says child, well, I wasn't a member of the church when I was a child, teenager, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70 or older, when did I first begin to experience? Well, that's gotta be as a teenager. I remember when I was uh, getting ready to go on my mission, I'm going to Japan and there was this other fellow named Don who was in the same ward who was going on his mission and he was going to Finland, I believe. And I remember talking to him privately Shortly before he went to the MTC, I'd be going into the MTC just a couple of weeks after Don went to the MTC and asking him, Don, it's true, isn't it? Because I'm about to give two years of my life to this church and I had just joined it less than two years before. I have a strong testimony or at least I thought I had a strong testimony and yet I find myself asking him for confirmation to Don. It's true, isn't it? And he looked at me kind of surprised and went, well, yeah, it's true. It wasn't very convincing, but I don't know what I expected. I kind of sprang the question on him, so I'm not surprised that I caught him somewhat flat-footed. But I look back at that experience and I think, yeah, would a person who didn't have doubts or questions have asked that question of a friend about going on a mission? I think the answer is no. That's why I'm putting the answer down of teenager here to this question. Next question, which time period best identifies when your church activity, belief, and or experience changed significantly? Well, I'm going to put down 2000 to 2009. Now, the answers proposed, interestingly, for some reason, are 1999 or before, 2000 to 2009, 2010 to 2014, 2015 to 2019, or 2019 to the present. I think they really began to change significantly back in 2000 to 2009 when I was doing all that Bible research and getting into the scholarship related to the Old Testament and the New Testament as well as the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants when I was taking very, very seriously my calling as gospel doctrine teacher. So that's what I'll put down, 2000 to 2009. By the way, I was in that calling for four years from 2006 to 2010. Next question, what is the single most significant change you would have to see in the church to return to your previous level of belief, trust, and or participation? Well, there's nothing. There's nothing that's going to make me go back to church. It says, please share in your own words here or there is nothing the church could do. So you can say, you can share it in your own words or you can just click. There's nothing the church could do. I'm going to share it in my own words because I want to make it clear that by this point, There is nothing the church could do to get me to my previous level of belief or trust or participation. They have proven to me by their words and deeds that they are not trustworthy. The church leaders completely destroyed my faith and them. A number of years ago, then President Uchdorf acknowledged there were good reasons for people to leave the church. And then at the end of his talk encouraged those who had left to come back. I like President Uchtdorf but the problem with his talk, with his invitation, was that people leave the church because they find something wrong with the church as a general rule. It struck me as pointless for President Uchtdorf to ask people to come back to the church without addressing the issues that caused them to leave in the first place. In this way, as in other ways, my relationship with the church has been similar to a relationship With an abusive spouse. Okay. So I think that was a little bit more illuminating than simply there is nothing the church could do. Next question. Before you left or stepped back from the church, which statement below best characterizes your activity and belief level? So before you left or stepped back from the church, which statement below best characterizes your activity and belief level? Well, the bottom question, I'm going to go from the bottom up on this. Completely active with an extremely strong testimony. Well, who's going to leave the church when they're completely active and have an extremely strong testimony? That seems kind of silly. Very active with a strong testimony, very active, but with a very modest or basic testimony, somewhat active with a basic testimony, mostly inactive with a very modest testimony, completely inactive with no testimony. Well, once you're completely inactive, haven't you already stepped back from the church? You see, I'm having some problems with these answers as they relate to the questions, but obviously it's also not an exact science. So what I will say is that when I left the church, I was mostly inactive with a very modest testimony. Let me, uh, nah, I was completely inactive with no testimony by the time I left the church. Come on, I hung in there as long as I possibly could and much longer than I should have in retrospect. I am, if nothing else, stubborn. Which statement below best describes your current religious beliefs? Okay, so. I am an agnostic or atheist and don't participate in organized religion. That will probably end up being mine, but let's see what the other answers are. I believe in a higher power and find my own way to worship. Mm, maybe. I no longer have church beliefs, but still believe in God and consider myself a Christian and worship in another Christian church or on my own. No, I no longer believe the church is what it claims to be, but still hold many LDS beliefs and values. I participate to a to a degree from a little to a lot in the church and do other things that nurture my faith in God and Jesus Christ. I would have said yes if it had just been that first sentence and not the second sentence in that answer because I would agree with, I no longer believe the church is what it claims to be but still hold many LDS beliefs and values such as being honest and doing what's right, let the consequence follow. Next, I am an active member of the church, believe and practice most church teachings and am mostly content with that. No, that's obviously not where I am. I am a true believer is the last one and am all in. I believe the church is the only true and living church on earth and is led by Jesus Christ and by a living prophet. No, that would have been me for about my first decade. Okay, so I'm going to have to go with I am an agnostic because I think I am an agnostic. I think that term probably describes me best and don't participate in organized religion. Check the box. Next question. How much do you agree or disagree with this statement? Being obedient to the teachings of the church and the gospel brings all of the positive things promised by church leaders. Yeah, that's a bunch of malarkey. I can guarantee you that. How do I know? Because I was obedient for decades to the teachings of the church and the gospel. It did not bring me all the positive things promised by church leaders. They lie when they promise. They make those promises, they throw them out there, they're like, is it Mary Poppins who calls them pie crust promises, easily made, easily broken, yeah, right, and then they're going to expect me to blame myself when I don't get the results of the promises, I don't get the blessings of the promises, that I'm going to look at myself and say, well, I didn't do enough, Uh uh-uh, I did it all, baby, I did everything I was asked to do, and I lived in strict obedience to the teachings of the church. So completely disagree is going to be me on this one. The other answers are mostly disagree, somewhat disagree, neither agree or disagree, somewhat agree, mostly agree or completely agree. So being obedient to the teachings of the church and the gospel brings all of the positive things promised by church leaders, completely disagree. If there is anything you would like to say in your own words regarding your answer to the last question, please share it here. Oh my gosh. Well, I get to say that now. I was completely... Observant to all the commandments and teachings of church leaders for decades and did not receive the promised blessings. In fact, I was sealed in the temple and was subsequently divorced, then sealed again to a different woman in the temple and subsequently divorced. The leaders make promises and expect the members to blame themselves when the promised blessings fail to materialize. I played that game for a long time, blaming myself until I figured out how the leaders were playing the game. I ultimately concluded that the only way to win this game is to refuse to play. Boom. Okay, next question. For your two immediate families, please indicate how many of them are in each of the following categories regarding their beliefs and participation in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but he's going to use the whole name there instead of just the church. By two immediate families, we mean, one, the family you are, were being raised in, i.e. you, your parents, and your siblings, two, the family you started yourself, your spouse partner, if you have one and your children if you have any. in both families include only children who are age eight and older and people who are still alive today. So, <laughs> see, this is another example. They want me to include in my answer to the survey only people who are alive today when the church itself continues to count thousands and thousands of people as members on their roles who are no longer alive because they're going to continue to count them until they would have been 110 years old so never been a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that would be everybody in my immediate family in which I was raised because I was the only member of the church so I'll put four there completely out with few if any beliefs that's going to go to the family or families I started myself and as far as those people go let's see there's going to be I think one two three four five six people who are completely out and all in with very strong beliefs. I'm going to put one there. I'm going to put one there because that was my first wife and I converted her. I baptized her and she's still an active member of the church, which means I was really, really an effective missionary. Okay. Next question. Thinking of all of your close Latter-day Saint friends from high school Roughly what percent of them are still active and believing members of the church now? I have no idea. I know that Bruce, the guy who baptized me, is still a member of the church and he's very active, I believe. So it's also not like there were all that many members of the church there and I don't know what's happened to them. So what would I say? I'll just say um, I'll go with 20% or less. How about that? How likely is it that you will be an active member of the church three years from now? Well, I'd say that's less than zero. Let's see if they have that as a possible answer. Very unlikely, somewhat unlikely, neither unlikely or likely, somewhat likely, very likely. So they don't have less than zero. So I'll just go with very unlikely. Next question. If there is anything in the survey so far that you would like to share more about in your own words, you can do so here. Yeah, I want to add something here because it may not come up later. I want to make it clear that I tried, that I wanted the church to be true more than anything else in the world. That is why I studied it so thoroughly and why I spent so much time being active in the church and magnifying my many callings i thought that through study and through faith my concerns would be allayed unfortunately when that did not happen i felt it my duty to not affiliate with an organization that treats its members with Contempt. Is contempt too strong a word? What would you call it when leaders actively and intentionally deceive its own membership to try and keep them in the vote? I think contempt is an accurate description. What is especially insulting is to hear those who are still members claim that people such as myself just didn't study enough or didn't want the church to be true or didn't want to live up to church standards. I did all those things the real issue for me is that the church didn't live up to its own standards. There we go. Next question. When you were the most active you are or have been in the church, which answer best describes the frequency of your participation? It's never rare, occasional, frequent, always, definitely always for me. I always went to church every Sunday, even when there were times I didn't want to go to church. I went to church. I remember once when I was in the Young Single Adult Student Ward back at the University of Texas at Austin. I had this crush on this girl. Uh, She didn't really feel it for me. We had a breakup. I knew she'd be at church that Sunday. I didn't want to see her. I didn't want to be around her. It was extremely awkward, embarrassing, but I still went to church. That was my commitment to God. That was my commitment to Mormonism and to doing what it was that I thought God through his prophets was telling me to do. So absolutely, I'm going to answer always to the question of when you were the most active, you have been in the church. Which answer best describes the frequency of your participation? Always. Next question. Which answer do you think best describes the approximate number of Latter-day Saint young adults i.e. those in their 30s or younger that are stepping away from the church. In selecting your answer, include those who officially remove their names from the records of the church and those who are still members of record but who rarely, if ever, participate. Now, let me just say that I don't know why this question is being asked. In other words, why are they asking me, for example, or any other member of the church or person who used to be a member, What they think best describes the approximate number of the young adults that are stepping away. I have no way of knowing that. I can give an opinion about it, but it's not going to have any value. So I'm wondering why this question is asking for something that seems so meaningless. In other words, what what difference does it make what I think? What difference does it make what anybody else thinks? The people in the church know what the answers are. So why are you asking this question? What it does tell me, however, is that this is an issue of primary concern to the church, and certainly at least to the individual doing this survey. They're concerned about the young people in the church who are leaving. Now, maybe they're going to have another question after this that talks about people who are older in the church, but I'm going to bet you right now they're not going to have any similar question about those who are not young adults leaving the church. But it says, in selecting your answer, include those who oh yeah, officially remove their names from the records of the church. How the heck would I know this? And those who are still members of record, but who rarely, if ever participate, it says about a third or less. I wonder why they picked that particular fraction. Roughly about half, about two thirds or more. I don't know. How the heck would I know? I'm putting, I don't know. And actually, No, I'm not going to put, I don't know, because I think I do have a little bit of information. And I think it's certainly not about a third or less. It's either going to be roughly about half or about two thirds or more. That's where I'm going. That's my guess. And I'll bet that will line up closest with what the real statistics are. Those real statistics, which the leaders of the church have access to, but never tell us about. Thank you for your responses so far. You are about one third done. Oh my gosh, really? A third done. Okay, well, I'll try and pick this up. The next group of questions are about the general culture of the church and the Latter-day Saint community. Some questions will ask for your personal opinion on that culture. Other questions will ask you what the most common views in that broader culture are. For this survey, the word culture consists of things like the customary beliefs, attitudes, expectations, behaviors, and traditions we have that are not necessarily official church doctrine, teachings, or policy, but are still common and influential among us. So, Whoever it is who's taken the survey has to make that distinction. Okay, rots ruck. And by that distinction, I mean separating culture from church doctrine teachings or policy, especially when certain church leaders have tried to make it very clear that the culture is the church doctrine and the policy, that they really are the same. And I'm thinking of some talks that were given in a not too distant general conference talking about church culture and how it's the best culture in the world because it's the original culture from the premortal existence. So it seems that there can be, at least in the minds of certain church leaders who do represent the church as a whole in general conference, a lot of overlap between these ideas of culture and doctrine. I also think about a talk that was given not too long ago by President Oaks, though it was not in general conference, but he was talking about passing the sacrament. He was talking about this to the young men in a ward or stake where he was visiting, and he admonished them to use their right hand in passing the sacrament, and their right hand in taking the sacrament. Now, normally, I would think that's part of church culture, but when you have a church president teaching this to members of the church, suddenly it starts leaving the culture category and going into the doctrine category. Either that, or I'm supposed to be able to distinguish whether what Elder Oak said about taking the sacrament with your right hand is just an attitude, expectation, or behavior, or tradition that we have But they're not necessarily official church doctrine, teachings, or policy. I would say that if a president of the church, a counselor, in the first presidency teaches to take the sacrament with your right hand, that becomes official church doctrine, teachings, or policy. Okay, so I think I've made my point there. Here we go to the question. It says, below is a list of reasons sometimes used to explain why people leave the church. Which of them are commonly used by the members who stay in the church to explain why other people leave the church. Select all those that are commonly used. Okay, well, so here we have a bunch of different proposed reasons that I'm supposed to select from as to what people who stay in the church use as an excuse as to why people leave the church. Okay, first one, they were never really in, they never had a testimony to begin with, Yeah, I heard that. I think we're just going to get a list of things we've heard before. The idea that they have been led away by the things of the world and the philosophies of men. Sure thing. They feel like they don't belong in the church because they are different than typical Latter-day Saints. Hmm. I don't think I'll check that one. I'm not sure I've heard that one. They are not consistently experiencing the positive aspects of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ in the church. Nope. Haven't heard that. Some people commit sin or break covenants and lose the spirit, of course. Not everyone has the type of faith, character, and commitment needed to be an active Latter-day Saint. Right, you just did not have the spiritual fortitude. They don't believe in the restoration narrative and or the doctrine and teachings of the church. You know, that is actually such a fair statement. I never hear that. I have never heard that said by someone who stayed in the church of someone who left. This completely fair and objective statement, they don't believe in the restoration narrative. No, because that's fair. I'm not checking that box. Next, they want a different lifestyle, one with fewer church constraints, responsibilities, and expectations. Oh, yeah. And finally, some people lose their testimonies because they stop doing the things that bring the spirit into their lives. Of course. So I'm done with that one. Next, this question is similar to the last one, but now we want to know what your opinion is on why people leave the church. Select all those that you believe are accurate and add other reasons that may not be listed. So now I think we're going to have the same kinds of answers in a different order. So they want a different lifestyle, one with fewer church constraints, responsibilities, and expectations. Yeah, I think that's fair. They were never really in. They never had a testimony to begin with. Certainly possible. Some people lose their testimonies because they stop doing the things that bring the spirit into their lives. No. Some people sin or break covenants and lose the spirit. No. They are not consistently experiencing the positive aspects of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ in the church. Well, I don't think there are positive aspects in the church to be consistently experienced, so I'm not gonna check that either. They don't believe in the restoration narrative and or the doctrine and teachings of the church. I'll check that one. That's the one that I thought was an objective kind of statement that I've never heard a member of the church say, and I think it's accurate. Not everyone has the type of faith, character, and commitment needed to be an active Latter-day Saint. No, I'm not checking that. They feel like they don't belong in the church because they're different than typical Latter-day Saints. If you are someone then who is in a group that the church does not extend full activity and blessings to in the church, such as the LGBTQ community, yeah, you could leave because you don't feel like you belong in the church because they're different than typical Latter-day Saints. But I don't really like the typical part there. So this is one of the problems with surveys, of course, but I'll go ahead and check it and I'll make that caveat here for your benefit. They have been led away by the things of the world and the philosophies of men, and no, I'm not checking that. Something else not listed, please briefly explain in your own words. Speaking for myself, I came to understand that the church leaders have no special connection with god and have never seen or communicated with christ though they like to hint at such a possibility in order to maintain authority over the membership i then concluded that they were just good men doing the best they could even though their connection to God was no greater than the connection of any average member. This belief got me through another decade in the church. It was only after that when I discovered church leaders aren't really even good men doing the best they can I mean does a good person try to make people think they have seen Jesus in order to maintain spiritual authority and control I had to conclude A good person would not do such a thing. There we go. Next question. They're getting lots of information out of me. I really, really hope this goes to the church leader so they can read it too. Based on what you personally think, please rank the following approaches that are sometimes common in church culture to encourage people to stay in and be committed to the church. We want to know how effective you think they are. Rank them from the most to the least effective, number one through five. So they've got five ideas and I'm supposed to list them or rank them as most to least effective. So let's see how to keep people in the church. Tell inspiring stories about our pioneer heritage. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, most of them are false, but uh, certainly the pioneers did go through a lot of sacrifice and some gave up their lives and the lives of their children in order to go out West with the saints. So I know it's very inspiring to a lot of people. It just never resonated with me very much. Two, I'm giving these numbers right now just to distinguish them from you, not the way I'm ranking them. Help them learn and live restored gospel principles and experience the benefits of it for themselves. Provide a loving, supportive, and welcoming church community where they can learn and experience the gospel. Eh, that's the best one so far. Encourage them to do temple and family history work. Blech. I hated temple and family history work. All the time, hated it, but I did it anyway because it's what I was supposed to do. And dang it, that's what a good Mormon does. Next, continue to bear testimony of the truth and importance of the restoration, the Book of Mormon, continuing revelation, modern prophets and apostles, priesthood, keys and temples. Something else not listed, please share in your own words. Okay, I'm not even going to rank those. I am not ranking these because I find them all ineffectual. They are just repeating the same old methods from the same old playbook, hoping for new and better results. The one thing the church can do that will help people stay in and be committed to the church is for the leaders to be honest Be honest with their own members. Be honest about themselves, about their failings, about church history, about the scriptures, about their finances, about everything. And I'm going to put that in capital letters. They need to be honest because being honest is the right thing to do, especially with members of the church that leaders are expecting and teaching need to sacrifice everything they have and are to building up the kingdom of God on the earth. A little temple endowment language there. They need to be honest because it's the right thing to do. And they need to do what is right and let the consequence follow. Either they believe in God and that God will help them when they do what God wants, i.e. be honest, or they don't have faith in God and will continue to act like the only way they can keep members in the church is through deception. Boom. Okay. Next question. Oh, oh, oh. It says, you have entered a response in an unranked choice. Please rank it or remove the response. Okay, so I've got to rank this thing, right? Uh, Where do I do this? What? Oh, my gosh. How do I do this? Oh, this is weird. It's like if I keep pulling this down, I can make my answer go to the top. Okay, so apparently they all have to be ranked. Um, Well, they're ranked anyway, apparently. Okay, so going on. But at least I put mine at the top, number one, what I just wrote out. Next question. This is the same list. We now want to know how frequently they are used in LDS church culture. Based on what you most often see in church culture, please rank the following approaches from one being most and five being less frequent. Okay, so let's see. Providing a loving, encouraging them to do family and something else not listed. Oh, they're going to just continue to bear. Powerful testimony, the truth and importance of the restoration. Book of Mormon, Continuing Revelation, Modern Prophets and Apostles and Temples. That's the first thing that I hear the most frequently. Um, Tell inspiring stories about our pioneer heritage. Well, they do that a lot too. I'm not sure it's going to be next. Providing a loving, supportive, and welcoming church community where they can learn and experience the gospel. Yeah, that's about at the bottom of the list. Encourage them to do family history work and temple work. That's going to be number two telling inspiring stories about church, or pioneer heritage, helping them learn and live restored gospel principles and experience the benefits of it for themselves, provide a loving, supportive, and welcoming, yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna put down here, I'm gonna say, the format of the answer forced me to rank all the options. I think numbers one through three actually occur I haven't seen a lot of either four or five in my 45 years experience as a member. And of course four and five were helping members learn and live restored gospel principles and experience the benefits of it for themselves and five providing a loving supportive and welcoming church community where they can learn and experience the gospel. Okay. Next. Oh, I should put something else on this thing I just wrote. I should say, I should add that the church does sometimes provide a loving and supportive community, but my experience has been that this is done only for those who are active and faithful members. And not for those with questions or who fall outside the ambit of persons considered acceptable. I'll put that in quotation marks, acceptable to the Lord and his church. There we go. Next question. This question is about what factors cause people to come to a belief in and be committed to the church and its teachings. Okay, rate each of the following on how much you personally trust and rely on them. This scoring is different than the last question. Rate them using a scale of one, two, three, four, or five, with five for any you trust the most, one for those you trust the least. If you don't select and use the last option, something else not listed, you will get a prompt that says there's one unanswered question on this page. Would you like to continue? You can continue by selecting the option to continue without answering. Okay. So I'm supposed to say, rate each of the following on how much you personally trust and rely on them. Okay, so we've got being part of a church community of believers who know and understand you and love and support you and each other, being given a clear and powerful description or explanation of a belief or doctrine in a lesson or talk, hearing another member of the church testify with great conviction, uh, that's, that used to be really important to me. Fast and testimony meeting used to be my favorite Sunday of the month, and I loved every Sunday because I got to go to church, but that lasted for about a year until it wore off. So that's not the answer I'm going to give now. I basically, over time, found out that the people who were bearing testimony most fervently had no more understanding of the church and no more conviction of it than I did. It's a lot of kabuki theater when it comes time for testimony meeting. At least that's become my conviction after time. Not all of it by any sense, but there's a lot of show and tell going on and performing for the audience to show that yes, you fit in and you are a member of the tribe. Next, applying church and gospel teachings in your life and determining their truth and value from your own experience with them. Hearing or reading church leaders teach and testify of the truth and church authority. Something else not listed. Oh my gosh, I... So rate each of the following on how much you personally trust and rely on them. This is going to be like an election where you're not voting for someone you like. You're just voting for the lesser of two evils. And I've got to do this with five things now. So I'm not sure this is going to be that significant of an answer. Being part of a church community of believers who know and understand you and love and support. I'll put that as number one. What am I doing here? Okay, so I get number one there being given a clear, powerful description or explanation of a belief or doctrine and lesson or talk. Oh gosh. Okay. I'm going to go down here for number two. That'll be number two. And now distant thirds are going to be being given a clear and powerful description or explanation of a belief or doctrine and a lesson or talk. Hearing another member testify with church conviction. Yeah. With great conviction, I'll put that as four. And finally, hearing or reading church leaders teach and testify of the truth and church authority. And now I get to add something. So I'll go ahead and say that I feel that the missionary discussions are a bit of a shell game. They introduced me to the Mormonism of Joseph Smith in the 1830s and 1840s. But then when I got baptized, I found out that was not the church I had joined at all, but instead a global corporation that still spoke of the gifts of the spirit, but no spiritual gifts are present and no prophetic ability is seen okay i'll put that down there i want to put that as one okay see if that works this is the same question about what factors cause people to come to a belief in and be committed to the church and its teachings however this time rate each of the following on how commonly they are used in church culture Well, hearing another member of the church testify with great conviction, that happens over and over again on the first Sunday of every month. It's called fast and testimony meeting. So I will say hearing or reading church leaders teach and testify of the truth and of church authority. Yeah, that's probably going to be two in this one. Let's see if I can get two. And then three is going to be being given a clear and powerful description or explanation of a belief or doctrine in a lesson or talk. I've heard different church leaders do that as well. Being part of a church community of believers who know and understand you and love and support you and each other, that's going to be the last thing, I think, number five. And applying church and gospel teachings in your life and determining their truth and value from their own experience with them, I'll give that a number four. Yeah, i just uh, not really thrilled by this whole question. Okay, going to the next question. There is one unanswered question on this page we'd like to continue. Yeah. The unanswered question was the option to write something there at the bottom of that last piece. In church culture, please answer how comfortable each of the following people would be. A mother who works outside the home. Now, the answers can be probably uncomfortable, no impact, or probably comfortable. I'd say uncomfortable, probably. A traditional and devout member of the church, going to be very comfortable. Someone who is financially poor. Oh, that can make people uncomfortable, especially when it comes to all the emphasis that's placed on paying tithing even if you can't put food on the table for your children. Yeah, that could make you uncomfortable. Someone who is older than 30 and single, oh yeah, of course you're going to be uncomfortable. You got to get married so you can become gods and produce all those spirit children in the celestial kingdom. Someone who believes past prophets made mistakes. Yeah, you're going to be uncomfortable. You're headed on your way out actually because you're going to say that either past prophets made mistakes or current prophets made mistakes because if past prophets made mistakes, Odds are current prophets probably doing the same thing. Next is parents whose son or daughter just got married in the temple. Oh, you're going to feel just got married in the temple. Yeah, you're going to feel comfortable. And someone who is LGBTQ plus uncomfortable. Next question. The next set of questions are about some specific aspects of church culture. Answer them from the perspective of, of what best represents the view that is most common in the culture. This may be different than your own personal view. Okay, so we're going from the culture's point of view. From each question, you will be given two answers for each question. In church culture, both of them may be important. Select the one that you feel is the most important in the culture. Here's the first question. In church culture, what is the most important thing to be converted to? Well, it's going to be to the leaders of the church. Jesus Christ... His examples, teachings, invitations to learn of and follow him, and his role as Savior and Redeemer. Absolutely not. That's in common with every other Christian church, and it's actually downplayed in the LDS church, I believe. And I'll give an example of that, hopefully, if I'm able to type one out later on. The other option is Joseph Smith, the restoration of the true Church of Jesus Christ and the priesthood, the Book of Mormon, continuing revelation, modern prophets and apostles, yes, and temples. That's the correct answer. At least that's the one I'm marking. Next, in church culture, which one would be most encouraged as a way of gaining a testimony? Well, I thought that was about reading the Book of Mormon and praying about it. We'll see what the answers are. The proposed answers are, Be taught the account and the doctrines of the restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ at his church. Hear others testify of them and pray to know the truth. Or experience for yourself the benefits and value of the teachings of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ by living them and being part of a church community that knows. Now, it's going to be the first one. This is how the church portrays itself and this is how the church says you gain a testimony is you pray in church culture which one would be the most common way of responding to life's uncertainty either be patient and have faith in God because you may not be given the answers and solutions you feel like you want or need that sounds like it but the other one is study fast and pray with faith in God to receive certain answers to your questions and inspire solutions to your problems nope Because even though they say that second one all the time, it really doesn't mean that. It means go back and do what the leaders have told you to do. We know that Elder Oaks told us once that a young adult came to him with a story about the young adult's parents saying, my parents have received a revelation that they don't need to continue to go to church on Sunday. And Elder Oaks told them, well, I'm not questioning whether they got inspiration. I'm just saying they got it from the wrong source. So out of one side of the mouth, the church leaders will say and encourage you to use prayer and receive your own revelation to solve your problems. But the overwhelming and overriding message is you do what we tell you to do, because if you get an answer to a spiritual subject or question that is different from what we have told you, then you're getting the answer from the wrong source. We have the king's X on getting revelation from God, and you can't receive anything that's different from what we receive that's from God as well. Because God would not contradict himself, we know what we've got is from God. Therefore, if what you say contradicts us, you go to the back of the line. So I'll be marking, be patient and have faith in God next which one in church culture would be the most common way of responding to life's adversity trials and other opposition be obedient have faith in god and pray and god will provide the relief and or the solution you need or by turning to god in faith you can receive patience and strength and learn grow and change to be better able to meet life's challenges i'll go with number two i think that's generally more of what i hear in general conference and i have been known to pay attention to general conference over the last several years Now, which one would be most commonly encouraged in church culture to find meaning and purpose in life? Keep your covenants, spend less time thinking about and working on yourself and more time learning about and following Jesus Christ and loving and serving others. That sounds like a very good, likely candidate. Or keep your covenants, obey the commandments and church standards. Attend the temple and sacrament meeting, work on your weaknesses and magnify your, no, that's the one, and magnify your calling in the church. That's definitely what church culture No, it's what the church says. That's not culture. It's what the church says. Which one would be most valued in church culture as a way of making important choices? Seek inspired direction by listening to and following the teachings and counsel of church leaders. Show faith by deferring to them when necessary. That's absolutely going to be it. Or seek inspired direction by using your God-given intelligence, having righteous intentions and learning from from church leaders and the gospel then use your agency to make choices. You feel are right. Yeah. BS. It's the first one. You defer to church leaders every step of the way in church culture, which type of person are you most encouraged to be? Someone who is honest, selfless, loving, and generous, and in serving others while striving to be a disciple of Christ and keeping God's commandments? Sounds nice, but actually, I think it's the next one. Someone who is obedient, loyal, worthy, believing, and faithful in following church teachings and standards and living God's commandments. Yeah, that's what the church says. Next, which of the following is most commonly encouraged in church culture as a way of making your way through life? Either following the teachings, principles, and guidance of the church and church leaders. Oh, yeah, that's it or relying on the learning from your experience with life in the church and with the gospel. Nope, gotta follow the church leaders, or you are no bueno. Next, which of the following is seen in church culture as more effective in dealing with the personal challenges and opportunities you face now and may face in the future? Apply the wisdom and traditions that have worked well in the past and the inspired direction given to all members from church leaders, or learn from the wisdom and traditions of the past. While relying on your God-given intelligence and inspiration to develop new and creative approaches tailored to your individual circumstances. Well, we know that's not what you're supposed to do. What you're supposed to do, well, you can do it as long as it doesn't conflict with anything the church says. So it's going to be number one on that one as well. These are a bit duplicative. In church culture, which one would be seen as more valuable for making life choices? Well, we know it's going to be follow the prophet. Isn't there a song about that? Follow the prophet? The learning and growth that can come by prudently going beyond what we know. No, this is not the church. We don't go beyond what we know. We don't learn for ourselves from our experience. And we don't learn even making mistakes. No, that's not going to be it. It's going to be number two, the safety, security, and peace of mind of staying inside the boundaries of church teachings and standards and the things we already know are right. Yes, that's the most valuable for making life choices in the church. Next The last set of questions you just completed were about what is most valued, important, or common in some aspects of church culture. Based on how you answered the questions, how comfortable with these aspects of the broader church culture do you personally feel? Very comfortable, somewhat aligned and comfortable, or often not aligned and comfortable. My views are often different than what is common in church culture. If you would like to say more in your own words, you can do so here. Well, I'm going to check it and I'm going to say more there. When I joined the church, Elder McConkie made famous the expression that the first law of heaven is obedience. Elder McConkie is gone now and his Mormon doctrine has been pulled from church bookstores but the principles he taught are still very much alive and well in the church today let me give you an example when John DeLynn was excommunicated he didn't believe in Jesus Christ nor did he believe in the prophetic role of church leaders when Rock Waterman was excommunicated he did I'll put that all in caps he did believe in Jesus Christ but did not believe in the prophetic role of church leaders this suggests that what is most important to the church is not what a member thinks of Jesus Christ but what a member thinks of church leaders following the prophet is the prime directive criticizing a church leader is the unpardonable sin there we go i got a chance to say it after all now we're about two-thirds done thank you it says okay If there's anything else you would like to share regarding the question so far, please feel free to do so here. Well, I think I already just said it, so I'll continue. For each of the following ideas, indicate how common you feel they are as part of general church culture. Oh, look at this. It's actually going to say what I've already said. I was in some sense able to predict what this essay would say. Obedience is the first law of heaven. It actually says it here. Obedience is the first law of heaven and the and the most important attribute you can have. So I'm saying how common you feel there as part of general... Yeah, that's common. Exact obedience brings miracles. Of course it does. With the caveat that nobody can give exact obedience and therefore there's always an excuse for the miracles never happening. Next, God blesses us when we follow the prophet with exactness, common. The prophet who is a seer can see into the future. Is that a part of general? Yeah, it's absolutely a part of the culture. It just never happens. So God has an individual and specific plan for my life. Ugh, I'm not sure. Is that common? Is it uncommon? You see, the good news is that God has an individual and specific plan for my life. The bad news is that it's the same individual and specific plan that everybody else on the planet has. So I'm going to say common. Attending the temple is the most important thing to do to receive inspiration and peace. Uh, Is that inspiration and peace? Probably. And the Spirit will lead and guide you in all things. These are all very common. They're all very common. The only thing is that when the rubber hits the road, it's really follow the prophet. So I'm done with that. Here is a very similar list for each of the following indicate how much you personally agree or disagree with the statement. The spirit will lead and guide you in all things. I'm going to say I mostly agree in that depending on how we define the spirit and how it's obtained. It is not exclusively the property of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They cannot and have not yet, though they've tried, put a trademark on the Holy Ghost. God has an individualized plan for my life. Do I agree with that? Not at all. Attending the temple is the most important thing to do to receive inspiration and peace. Disagree with that. Exact obedience brings miracles. B.S. The prophet who is a seer can see into the future. Not a chance. God blesses us when we follow the prophet with exactness. Nope. My experience has been I get cursed. Obedience is the first law of heaven, the most important attribute you can have. Yes, if you are in a dictatorship and you are the dictator. Okay. Okay. The next several questions are related to what makes the church Christ-centered. Some questions will be about what you personally think. Some questions will be about what the most common view in broader LDS church culture is. For this first question, please indicate how important you personally think it is for members of the church to do. Each of the following for the church to be a truly Christ-centered church. Attend the temple. Uh, That's not important. What happens at the temple is you go through a bunch of warmed-over Masonic rituals that have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus Christ has been so absent from the temple since its inception in LDS history that only within the past year, I believe it was, under President Nelson, did they decide they needed to put references to Jesus and pictures of Jesus in the new temple endowment slideshow. So no, attending the temple, not at all important for a Christ-centered church. Love and care for the poor and needy and those who don't fit in as well. Okay, extremely important, thank you. Have faith, repent, keep covenants, follow the Holy Ghost, endure to the end. Nope, not important. Live the word of wisdom, not important. In fact, one of my favorite stories about Brigham Young, and there aren't a lot to choose from in that category, but one of my favorite stories had to do with, I think it was William Hamblin, if that's the name of the Indian agent, and William Hamblin was out doing his thing in Utah territory, and somebody was with William Hamblin, I can't remember who it was. But this other person decided that they saw something that they found inappropriate in the conduct of William Hamblin, and they ran to Brigham Young in Salt Lake City. They wanted to tattle on Jacob Hamblin. It's Jacob Hamblin is who it is. So they wanted to uh, tattle on Jacob Hamblin because he got drunk. And they went in to Brigham Young's office and told him all about Jacob Hamblin and how he got really liquored up one night. And what did Brigham Young think of that? And Brigham Young thought about it for a second, and he said in response, well, I guess you saw a good man drunk. Now, I don't know if that story's true. It's one of those stories that if it's not true, it should be true because it perfectly synopsizes what I consider to be the truth about the human condition. Whether you're drinking, whether you're smoking, I don't care what you're doing. As far as the word of wisdom goes, there are things that are more important than keeping the word of wisdom. There are more important things than not drinking, like being a good person. There are more important things than not smoking, like being a good person. And I think this story, apocryphal though it may be, though I'm still holding out hope that it's real, about Brigham Young and Jacob Hamlin, illustrates that distinction. The person comes and tattles to Brigham Young that Jacob Hamlin is out getting drunk and the response from Brigham Young is not what the tattler wanted, which was to shake his finger and go tisk tisk, or take some kind of church action against Jacob Hamblin. Instead, Brigham Young focused on the most important thing and contained it in his response when he said, then you saw a good man drunk. Bravo, Brigham, bravo. Now, the next thing is follow church leaders. Oh my gosh, that is so not important. In fact, you should go the opposite way from what church leaders say if you want to make this church Christ-centered. Stay on the covenant path. No, that is the path of bondage that the church wants you to stay on. Believe in and follow Jesus Christ and his teachings. Well, of course, that would be extremely important in order to make the church Christ-centered. Next question. Now, please indicate for each item how important it is seen to be in the broader church culture for members of the church to do, for the church to be a Christ-centered church. Okay, so now, this will be pretty much the opposite of what I said before. So, have faith, repent, make and keep covenants, follow the Holy Ghost, endure to the end, extremely important, keep the commandments, extremely important, serve a full-time mission, that wasn't on the first list, extremely important, strive to be Christ-like. Yeah, they're going to say that's very, very important. Love and care for the poor and needy and those who don't fit in well. Uh, I can't say not at all important. I'll put slightly important. Faithfully attend church meetings and activities. Very important. Dress and groom appropriately. I'm going to say very important, not extremely important because I think that's probably more accurate. Next question. For each of the following, indicate how important you personally think it is in helping you and other members become and remain converted for a lifetime. How I personally think it's important to re- become... And re- I don't think that there is anything that can be done. I, I haven't even looked at the questions or the examples here. I don't think there's anything that is important in helping me and other members become and remain converted for a lifetime because I think that what that does is then it restricts our ability to grow because we can only grow within the confines of what the LDS Church says and teaches, and we can only grow as much as they will allow us to grow, and they will always keep us down. They will always infantilize us in order to be able to be easily or more easily dominated and controlled. But let's see what they have here. Having a spiritual witness to know the church's doctrines and teachings are true. Well, I'll tell you, if I had not had very powerful witnesses when I was young, I would not have stayed in the church as long as I had. So I guess that's probably extremely important experiencing for yourself, the blessings and benefits of living the restored gospel of Jesus Christ over time. Well, I expect that's important being given opportunities to serve others. Yeah. I expect that's important as well. My only objection to this is that so often when LDS members and leaders say opportunities to serve others, it means opportunities to help the church indoctrinate others, whether you're teaching and church or going home teaching or ministering now is what it's called. So often service is equated with continued indoctrination that the church is true. So that's the issue I have with this question about being given opportunities to serve others. But I'm still going to say that's probably extremely important following church leaders because you have a spiritual witness and know the church and priesthood were restored and the prophet and apostles act and speak for God I think that is a path that is doomed to destruction. At least it destroyed me. So I'm going to put not at all important because I found out that they are not prophets and apostles. So they do not act and speak for God. And if you start with that presupposition and continue in it and pay attention, you will eventually, over time, be disabused of that notion to your own heartbreak. Next, experiencing. Being part of a community of faithful disciples of Christ that love and encourage one another in loving and serving God and their fellow men and women. Yeah, I suppose that's important. And finally, something else not listed. Please share in your own words. Select not important at all if you have nothing to add here. Okay, well, I'm going to add something here. The most important thing for my personal spiritual growth was realizing that the church taught me many good things when I was young but insisted that I never grow beyond what the church could teach me this led to my being damned even in terms of church theology there was never a point at which The church would say to me that I had learned everything the church had to teach me, and now I had to leave the nest to go out and learn from others. It was this very sentiment that was stated in the famous 1984 October General Conference by Ronald Pullman, semicolon, that we should grow spiritually to a point we didn't need the church anymore. And that is why the church immediately made Elder Pullman rewrite his talk to say the exact opposite, then marched him into the tabernacle to record the new version of the talk after General Conference was over, and then include the second version in the conference record as if it had been the original this is the kind of deception I am talking about that church leaders have done over and over again next question for each of the following indicate how important it is in church culture in helping you and other members become and remain converted a lifetime so this is just from church culture Wow. Follow church leaders because you have a spiritual witness and you know that they act for God. Yeah. In church culture, absolutely. Experience for yourselves the blessings and benefits of living the gospel. Yep. Experiencing being part of a community of faithful disciples of Christ that love and encourage one another. Yeah. I'm sure that's very important. Having a spiritual witness to know the church's doctrines and teachings are true. Yeah. Being given opportunities to serve others Eh, a little less and something else not listed. No, I think that pretty much covers it. Next question. How important to you personally is it to do each of the following? Attend the temple. Not important. Believe in and follow Jesus Christ and his teachings. Not important. I will say that I think that there's a lot of things that Jesus Christ taught or the figure of Jesus Christ is represented in the New Testament taught that are worthy of emulation and the way he conducted himself, especially in regards to the religious leaders of his day are worthy of emulation. And that's what I've been trying to emulate in my Radio Free Mormon podcast and also Mormonism Live with Bill Real is holding religious leaders to account just like Jesus did. I'm trying to be like Jesus. I'm following in his way. Next, keep the commandments. No, not important faithfully attend church meetings and activities know that will lead you away from god actually strive to be christ-like well in the sense that i have just described jesus i think that is actually very important i won't put it up there extremely important but everything else is not important at all serve a full-time mission you know How important to you personally is it to do each of the following? Serve a full-time mission. It was very important to me when I served a full-time mission. At this point in my life, though, I look back on it and I think, okay, well, I kind of squandered two years of my life and not just any two years, but perhaps the most important two years or at least two of the most important years of my life. So serve a full-time mission. It's not important. Follow church leaders. No, no, no. Don't do that. Not important. Next question. How helpful to you personally are the church's efforts to encourage and support you and other members do the following love and serve others. You know, they gave me opportunities to love and serve others, but the problem is, is that it becomes an assignment in the church. Loving and serving others is most frequently continued indoctrination in the church But it's also an assignment. And I found that that was really not helpful, which is why home teaching and ministering stats are so abysmally low and always have been and always will be because it's an assignment. It's not being done out of real love and a desire to serve, at least not usually. So not helpful. Keep the commandments. How important to me personally is that? Not at all. Not unless we include in the commandments the one that Jesus said. Was the new commandment, which kind of superseded all the other commandments, which was to love your neighbor. So keep the commandments. No, I'm going to use that in the same way the LDS Church uses it. Not helpful to me. Believe in and follow Jesus Christ and his teachings. Once again, following Jesus Christ and his teachings. I'm going to say not helpful because the next one is strive to be Christ-like, which I'll put extremely helpful. Have faith, repent, make and keep covenants, follow the Holy Ghost, endure to the end. Nope, not helpful, serve a full-time mission. Nope, faithfully attend church meetings and activities. Not a chance, not helpful at all. The next two questions are about personal things that you or others may value help with and how helpful the church is with these things. They are optional questions. Answer them only if you feel like you want to express your opinion. Well, what the heck? Why should I stop now? We would love to know what you think. Okay, you will. How important to you personally are each of the following? Being recognized for the good that you do. Well, you know, I'm supposed to say not important, but actually I do like to be recognized for the good that I do. It's somewhat embarrassing to me, so I don't like people to make a big thing out of it or a public thing about it, so I'm not going to stay extremely important. I'll put it in the middle at moderately important, okay? I'm being vulnerable here, as we say, because I know what the right answer is. I'm supposed to be self-abased and completely humble, but... God has not blessed me with that spirit. Okay, next, learning how to learn. How important to uh, me personally is each of the... Learning how to learn. Well, that's extremely important. Recovering from addictions or other self-destructive behavior. Yeah, that's important. Strengthening or fixing your marriage. uh, I guess that depends on the marriage you have. If it's able to be strengthened, if it's able to be fixed, yeah, that's really important. But I've lived for many, many years in different relationships trying my damnedest to strengthen a marriage that couldn't be strengthened and fix a marriage that was irretrievably, irretrievably broken. And that was time lost. Misery managed. I'm going to say very important on that one. Having more friends. Is that really important? Mm, Not really. You know, when I was a kid, more friends was it. I always wanted more friends. I wanted to be popular. Now it's not so important to me. Um, More friends, not important. Improving your mental and or physical health. Let me go back to the more friends one. I'll put moderately important on having more friends. Improving your mental and or physical health. Yeah, that's always important. And learning how to be a better parent or son-daughter. Sure, that's important. Done. Next question. Maybe the last one, we'll see. How helpful to you personally are the church's efforts to assist you and other members in doing the following? Okay, the church's efforts to assist me and other members learning more about dealing with age, not helpful at all. Good heavens, the church doesn't help at all with that. Being recognized for the good you do. Yeah, I think the church recognizes people for the good they do, but they define it, the good that they do, as being obedient to the church or fulfilling church assignments. In other words, the higher you are in the church hierarchy, the more recognition you get. So I'm just gonna put, Slightly helpful on that. Obtaining better employment. I have never ever been able to see any help from the church in getting better employment. I know that there are employment specialists in every stake I served as one for a brief period of time as a stake employment specialist. Yeah, I didn't do a super good job. So based upon that, I'm gonna say not helpful. Increasing your personal sense of strength and resilience. Church does not help with that. It is all about codependency on the church. The church will use you up and spit you out. And that sounds very strong, but let me tell you from personal experience, that's exactly what happened to me. It used up absolutely everything that I would give it. It encouraged me to give everything I had. I did so. And when I finally started having questions, it decided that everything I'd given to the church didn't matter at all. And I just was outside the circle of those who could be accepted in the church and whose voice was something that was considered to be helpful in church meetings. Yeah, I was ostracized very clearly. By that, I mean that church members made it really clear to me in no uncertain terms that they liked having my butt in the pew. They liked having me present in church, but they didn't want to hear anything that I had to say about anything that was important to me. And so when I came to that point, I finally figured out that, yeah, this church It's not the place for me. I've got nothing to say here, nothing to add here. And in fact, I can sense that my presence here is not appreciated. So does it increase your personal sense of strength and resilience? Not helpful. More opportunities to learn and grow as a person? No, actually not. Maybe when you're young, but not as you get older. So I'll put slightly helpful on that. Having better food and housing. Well, does the church Efforts help people have better food and housing? Uh, maybe slightly helpful. I've heard some stories anecdotally. Learning how to be more effective in managing money. Uh, slightly helpful, maybe. And that's basically because you got to pay 10% off the top. So, yeah, you got to learn how to make a budget fast in this church. And I know I did. So, I'll put slightly helpful there. Next question. It says, thank you again for your responses so far. Your perspective and opinions matter. You are now about 95% done. You know, I thought that we were at the last two questions. so I'm kind of surprised that we're continuing with questions. Oh, he's leading me along. I can tell. You are now about 95% done. We have some final questions that are about you to help us get to know you a little better. Mm. Please select the option below that best describes how you feel about your church experience. I'm strongly committed to the church. No. I'm strongly committed to the church. No, I'm very committed to the church. No, there's a lot of information after this. (laughs) Like the first one is I'm strongly committed to the church. Look forward to callings and assignments and know that I can find what I'm looking for among the vast church resources. BS, they hide stuff. What I can find is not what I'm looking for. I had that happen a number of times. I remember even in my early 20s, reading through church institute manuals, trying to find answers to questions that were raised by the text, whatever the scripture was that was being commented on in the manual, and finding that the questions I had were not answered by the church resources, vast though they may be. The church resources are vast, but largely duplicative. For example, you can see all the books that Bruce R. McConkie ever wrote. He only wrote one book. He just gave them different titles as he went along and rearranged the subject matter. Next is, I'm strongly committed to the church. I enjoy some callings or assignments, etc. Next is, I'm very committed to the church. I enjoy some callings, but other callings are not personally fulfilling. Next is, church is great, especially the social aspect of members, neighbors, word activities. Sometimes I don't feel like going to meetings, but I do it. Next, church is not the best experience for me. I can find God in nature meditation and self-reflection. Sometimes I attend, other times I do not, as my personal spirituality brings me closer to God than church meetings. And finally, I no longer participate in church and I'm happy with that. Well, I would have gone with the second to last answer, except it includes sometimes I attend and I don't attend sometimes. So I'm forced into going to, I no longer participate in church and I'm happy with that. Now I'll click done. Oh, Nope. More questions. Thinking of yourself, please rate the extent to which you agree with each of the following statements. I frequently pray, meditate, or seek personal spiritual guidance. I'm going to say I disagree with that. Not strongly disagree. I'll just put disagree. I believe adhering to religious rules and laws brings me closer to God. I will strongly disagree with that. And I will also say that I think Jesus would agree with me that adhering to religious rules and laws brings a person closer to God. It seems like a lot of what he had to say contradicted that idea. I frequently make financial contributions to a religious organization. Well, I sure as hell am not going to make it anymore to the LDS church. I can tell you that. I am actively engaged in self-improvement. Yeah, I am. I definitely am. I'm going to strongly agree with that. I believe in a higher power, God or deity. I believe in powers outside of what we can normally discern with our normal five senses. I'm not sure if it's a higher power. And in fact, I have no way of determining whether it's a higher power or an equal power or a lower power. So I will just say no to that. Strongly disagree because I don't believe in a higher power or God or deity. I'll just say disagree, not strongly disagree. I still want to hold out the option for it to be possible. Okay. And finally, I frequently attend worship services. Nope. That's a big strongly disagree. Done. Oh, now they want to know what my gender is. How interesting. Okay, well, I'll put down male. Which statement best applies to your responsibilities inside and outside your home? I work full-time, 40 hours a week outside my home. And then it has part-time, some time, I do not work outside the home, full-time for me. Okay, what is your current age? Boy, they're getting personal, 60 or above. Yep, that's me. Which best describes you? Single, never married. Single, no longer married. Married with no children. Married with children. Married with children and grandchildren. Oh my gosh, none of those describe me. How about twice divorced with a failed engagement and now with a girlfriend who has children and grandchildren? Let's see. Married with children and grandchildren. Single, no longer married. Single, never married. I think the one that best describes me is single, no longer married. Okay, where do you live? The United States or outside the United States? I think the United States. Which state do you live in? Okay, this is where I go down and I pick out, let's see, any state other than the one I actually live in. So I'll put Utah. Yeah, I'll bet a lot of people put Utah. What is the highest level of education you receive? They want to know how smart you are and how seriously they should take your answers. I did not finish high school. High school degree or equivalent to your college, four-year university degree, post-university graduate degree. Yeah, that's what a law degree is. Check. Next, select the answer that best describes your race or ethnicity. Wow, Asian, Hispanic, Native Hawaiian, Black or African American, American Indian or Native Alaskan, White, prefer not to say. Other, tell us which one, White. Next, select which answer best approximately describes your annual personal income in U.S. Dollars, my gosh. Okay, I'll go ahead and not answer that one. Because I think that is totally irrelevant. Isn't it interesting that they want to know how much money you make? Why is that at all important for the purposes of this survey? I know they want to cross-reference answers with different cohorts and blah, blah, blah. But still, really? No. I've had enough of that in the church that promotes men to positions of leadership, primarily based on how much they make, to want to answer this particular question. That is definitely a preferred not to say. Okay, how old were you when you were baptized? Nine to seven 18 or older. Bingo, I was 18. This is the last question. I think we've heard that before. Thank you so much for hanging in there with us and for your help and insights on the survey. How interested would you be in seeing the results of this survey published? Well, published? Okay. I mean, I'm just thinking here, if the church is behind this, are they really gonna wanna publish this unless it's favorable to them? Well, I'd be very interested anyway. So there we are. It says, we thank you for your time spent taking the survey. Your response has been recorded. Yay! So now Radio Free Mormon has taken the survey. I'm going to see if we can put a link to this survey up in the show notes so that everybody can have a chance to take the survey themselves. I talked to Bill Real this morning about the survey. He looked at it and he thought it might be a good idea to post it in ex-Mormon Reddit because if they want answers to the survey and they want a lot of people to respond to it, That would be a really, really good place to put it. We'll see if we can get that taken care of before the day is out. Anyway, it is now much later in the day on August 19th, 2023. I hope that you all enjoyed this survey and give it a chance to, if you want to take it and record your answers and have them counted as part of the survey, please feel free to do so. Well, that's about all for tonight. Until next time, this is Radio Free Mormon signing off the air.